0: is your host, Becky Sanders. Welcome to A Virtual View, where we discuss healthcare, telehealth, and everything in between. Today, we're turning the tables, and I'm being interviewed by Caroline Yoder, as I am now the outgoing program director of the Upper Midwest Telehealth Resource Center. Caroline, take it away.
1: Yes, hello. It's my turn now. It's so exciting. <laughs> Except for I did one in the very beginning, but other than that, it's been all you. Well, but you it have just had me.
0: experience being the interviewer in uh, some of the other things that you've worked on this year. That's true.
1: But usually it's just me sitting and listening. So now I get to participate. It's a very exciting time. Well, let's just start off with, I know that you have worked with the UMTRC. You were there at the beginning of the UMTRC, correct? The very
0: first application to HERSA for the UMTRC was completed by um, a former employee Matt, of the Indiana Rural Health Association, Matt Ciricchio, and a contract employee of the Indiana Rural Health Association, Jonathan Neufeld. Now, Matt left us and is now in Tampa, Florida, I believe, with his family. And Jonathan is now the program director for the Great Plains Telehealth Resource Center.
1: So then when did you specifically join the UMTRC? Mm
0: -hmm. So after we got that first funding in like 2010, 2011 timeframe, I came on in early, well, late 2011, early 2012, just after they'd completed the first year of that grant. And Matt was leaving the Indiana Rural Health Association for new chapters in his life. So as I came on, for a while, it was just me and Jonathan. And then his career path took him other places. So then I've had various other individuals from the Indiana Rural Health Association helping me on the UMTRC grant over the past 10 years or so.
1: So then what led you to become the program director for the UMTRC?
0: Yeah. So when Jonathan stepped away, then that's when I really became the program director.
1: How do you feel like the UMTRC grew over that time frame? I guess like up until COVID, because once mm-hmm. COVID hit, there was a whole other period yeah. where it evolved, but like up yeah. until then.
0: Yeah. And so you have to understand, you know, the whole makeup of all of the TRCs and the Hersa Telehealth Resource Center program. So the 12 regional telehealth resource centers and the two national telehealth resource centers, one for policy and one for technology, were just starting to meet as a consortium or in a strategic planning environment uh, when I came on in 2012. And so my very first meeting with all of the others was in like September 2012 in um, Billings, Montana. And that was where at that time, the Northwest Regional Telehealth Resource Center was headquartered with a hospital there. And even in those early days, those of us, you know, that were working with the telehealth resource centers, we had all drunk the Kool-Aid and we all believed that telehealth was the future of healthcare, but nobody was listening to us. <laughs> um, and, you know, I always like to tell the analogy uh, when I do training programs about that little rowboat in the middle of Lake Michigan. And, you know, we were like cheerleaders for telehealth, but you know, not many people were listening to us. Academic medical centers, yes, and some of the larger healthcare institutions across the country. Um, So it, it just, it very slowly kept building. And we leaned a lot on our parent company, the Indiana Rural Health Association, and those established relationships with other rural health associations in our region, Illinois, Michigan, and Ohio, and also the state offices of rural health in those states to form those early relationships and did a lot of outreach, um, attending programs, conferences in those other states and in our region just to get the word out so people knew, you know, who we are and what we did. You know, I I did a lot of booth work, you know, a lot of exhibitors' booths. And gradually over time, after submitting lots of applications to be a speaker, um, then I started being a presenter in a lot of those state Rural Health Association and Office of Rural Health meetings. That had been a a goal of mine early on, and it, it took a year or two to get to that point. Then after that, I started getting requests to speak at other meetings in our region. I remember speaking for early on for the Illinois Telehealth Network in their annual meetings. Um, also, with there was a meeting I did with the Kidney Association. And a lot of other focused specialty associations started really thinking about doing telehealth and using that to expand the availability and the reach of their specialty physicians.
1: Were people aware or, like, confused in the beginning? Because I know I think about, like, I've done booth work for the UMTRC, but I've done booth work after COVID. So obviously Mm -hmm. people were very aware of telehealth and had very pointed questions. But when you started doing booth work, was it just, like, a very educational time for people? Or was it more people were aware, they just maybe weren't buying into it yet?
0: Yeah, the common perception was they would see the word telehealth. So they would have this vague idea in their head and they really didn't quite know what to do with it. They'd like heard of it or sometimes they hadn't and were like telehealth, what's that? But they always, when they started to get a grasp of it, they thought we were trying to sell them a solution. So I had to make sure that I used my marketing funds well and get giveaways for the table that really drew people's eye, either that or go buy a bunch of candy, you know, because chocolate always draws somebody's (laughs) eye. They're like, oh, chocolate. Or they come over and and they've got their little bingo card that the organization leading the conference has given them to kind of get in with the vendors. And I'm like, here, you want a stamp? And, you know, one one conversation (laughs) out of 10 might be a good conversation. And the others are like, here, here's your stamp. Take a piece of candy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've definitely been there. Definitely been there. And I've been on the other side. I've went up to booths as a booth worker for their free stuff. And their stuff so popular, they're like, we know, just take it. And I'm like, thank you. <laughs> just take it and walk away. So then stepping into COVID, how do you feel like the UMTRC evolved during COVID?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's amazing looking back. Being part of the Indiana Rural Health Association, when I came on in 2008, and I was offered a position, and part of that position was being able to work from home. It was just like my dream job. You know, I had young kids. The flexibility was very valuable to me and and still is today. The interesting thing about that is the organization was kind of visionary, forward-thinking in that when COVID hit, we were already working virtually, and it wasn't a big change for us. So many other people that were used to working in offices and and traveling and having commutes in their day, that type of thing, we didn't have to worry about that. It was like, okay, it's just another day in the office for us. So I think that put us on really strong ground going into COVID. And then the UMTRC work on top of that, we had a really firm grasp, a really good foundation of handouts, of reimbursement information, of a lot of things, a lot of resources on our website. So we were quickly able to transition and meet that need that we weren't used to this this heavier load. And I don't know, I'd have to look at the data to give you an exact number, but I, it feels like you know it was it was a tsunami of interest. Luke Wortley and I, Luke's another UMTRC staff member, and he's the the first point of contact for telehealth technical assistance, or TA is what we call it, to come in. So either by phone call or email or through a form on our website, we get all those questions. And the two of us were just overwhelmed with questions. I mean, we were look, working 10-hour days over the weekend. You know, the questions were still coming in over the weekend as we, you know, tried to to stay afloat and stay on top of them. So the month of March was just crazy busy. By April, CMS had put out guidelines and waivers about what could be done via telehealth. They were taking away those restrictions that an individual had to be at a clinical site. And for Medicare, they'd taken away the fact that the participant or the the Medicare beneficiary had to be in a rural area. And so that really opened up for providers the ability to see their patients or their Medicare beneficiaries virtually. And the patients were able to stay at home. And in many cases, those providers were able to stay at home too, because elderly providers were worried about their own immune systems in COVID. When, you know, back when we'd go to the grocery store and come home and wipe everything down with Clorox wipes before we put it away. I mean None of us really knew how contagious COVID was or how it would spread, so that put us in a really great place. And you know, across the nation, all the other telehealth resource centers were experiencing the same thing. One of my—I don't know. There's, there's no way we could have done it differently. But one of my regrets from the early days of COVID is sometimes Luke and I would tell somebody an answer to a question. And the next day, new policy would come out of CMS. And the answer that was correct yesterday was not correct today because things were changing so quickly. But once we got into April, the waivers, both at the federal level with Medicare and at the state level with the Medicaid programs, had stabilized to a point that we felt we could actually do some webinars. So we really started doing focused webinars, basic stuff. There were so many organizations that had never dipped their toe into the world of telehealth before that they needed from, you know, ground zero. What do I do? How do I do this? Um, How do I do it right? Those types of things. So we started really making a focused effort to record all the information that we had learned and gathered and do a lot more frequently asked questions on our website, a lot more handouts, those types of things, so that we weren't constantly answering the same question. Or we could say, oh, yes, this is a frequent question. Let's put together an FAQ on this or let's put together a webinar on this. And then we would, instead of writing out the answer again in our technical assistance response, we would say, here, go see this. The answer is here. Go watch this video or go read this handout.
1: So then over those two timeframes, kind of this before and after COVID, what do you feel like has been the UMTRC's greatest achievement?
0: Wow, that's a hard
1: question. Um, or maybe one of. Okay. I feel like it's hard to be like. Yeah, there are a lot of the top lot of one things. of, all of them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, one of what you feel to be the greatest achievements.
0: Sure, I'm. I'm gonna speak about two, two of my favorite achievements. Um, because I I'm a horrible judge of myself. I'm always really hard on on myself, and it's hard to brag on myself. But my two favorite things that have come out of COVID are this podcast. I have truly enjoyed working and getting to know you better and uh, our editor, Tristan. And I'm so sad that Tristan and I have had such a short time together. But I've really enjoyed doing these podcasts and reaching participants or you know, whatever uh, you want to call them that we probably never would have reached with our normal day-to-day stuff that we did in the UMTRC prior to COVID. And then one of the other new things that came out of COVID was that we started that demo and training center in that studio in our Indianapolis office. And that has been a joy to put together. And your work with that has been stellar. It's great to see that come to fruition. It had been a dream of mine for a long time you know, we as part of the TRC world you know we we would answer basic telehealth technology questions but we never really had dedicated funding to go and buy different microphones or different stethoscopes to be able to let people in our region put hands on without having to go through the sales spiel with a vendor. And and being able to do that is, I think, a big accomplishment because our National Technology Center is in Alaska and, you know, they're not traveling now because of COVID and they haven't traveled for a couple of years.
1: So then what do you see for the future of the UMTRC? Where, where do you think we're going? Or maybe what do you hope that we accomplish as we move forward?
0: Mm-hmm. I... What's the word I want to use? I am very, it's not anxious. Itchy sounds weird. Um, Excited, very much looking forward to the point where we can have conferences in person again. I think the entire world has got video conferencing fatigue and sitting at our computers all day and staring at each other through webcams. We can do so much in the telehealth world over video conferencing. But it still doesn't replace that in person interaction. And it's the casual things like, so th- this year in 2021, our parent organization, IRHA, was able to hold their annual conference in person with 600 people with some masking and distancing requirements in June down in French Lick, Indiana. And then we were very fortunate also to hold our Upper Midwest Telehealth Resource Center conference in July in South Bend, Indiana, again, with some masking and some distance requirements. But the feeling of being back in an event center and being able to have those casual conversations, and and for me... That The networking that happens doesn't really happen on a video screen. Yes, you can get the education. Yes, you can get lots of things. But that sitting down and having a meal and, oh, you put ketchup on your eggs. Who puts ketchup? You know, those, those conversations that sometimes lead in little tangents can be valuable conversations as you learn more about people as individuals and oftentimes find synergies or other things that you can bring back to your work relationship and expand that in wonderful ways.
1: Yeah, being back in person at events for the few that we have been has been very life-giving. It's very mm-hmm. nice to just be able to interact with people. And you're right, like you're going to remember people and remember who they are and learn more about people, just getting to interact with them and see them face-to-face versus a 15-minute video chat.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, and you you joined the team during COVID, so you didn't get to experience a lot of pre-COVID hey this is what we do and how we do it it was all okay well let's figure out how to do this virtually and be safe about it
1: yeah this year was like my first quote unquote normal year and it was still not very normal it was really really fun to be able to go to the irha conference and the umtrc conference because yeah the year before my job was how do we set up a studio where we can just broadcast this to people How do we set this up so that we can get people the information now? And not that that wasn't cool and fun. It was a really great experience. And I think, I think you're right. I think it was a big achievement for the UMTRC and IRAJ to be able to produce the quality of event that we were and giving the information that we were virtually. But it's just more fun to be in person Mm -hmm. and to go somewhere and to learn things. To see
0: something outside of the four walls of your house.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And it's easier to like pay attention, I think, and grasp information because, you know, when you're attending things virtually, you're sitting in the same space that you did all morning and you're still checking your emails and you're still doing this and you're grabbing a cup of coffee and, you know, a lot of people have their kids at home and you're helping someone with something versus being able to go and truly just sit and engage with the material. Yeah, I definitely found that it's much easier to learn more Mm -hmm. when I go versus when I stay. Yep. Totally agree. So then kind of, I guess, I guess it's kind of going in the opposite direction. Not in the opposite direction, but maybe opposite timeline. What was one of your first experiences with Mm -hmm. telehealth? What was your Mm -hmm. like opinion of it when you experienced it? Mm -hmm. So
0: I have to say personally, I... I had a bad experience the first time I used telehealth myself as a patient, and I can't remember what, if I just was like, oh, I just want to try this so I, I can experience it, or why, but I, I'm a person that has bad sinuses, so at least twice a year I get a sinus infection. It's It's pretty normal, and for whatever reason, it must have been on a weekend or I was getting ready to travel on a trip or something like that. And I just I all I wanted was to get some medicine, to get this crap out of my nose so that I could go on with my life. And I decided not to go to the after hours prompt care and not to wait until I could see my family care provider. But I went online and I I don't even remember what platform it was. Doesn't really matter. But I signed up for this platform. I you know, put all the information in that they wanted and picked an ENT because that was what was going on was my sinuses. And then I sat in a waiting room and waited, you know, I could pick, there were like four different physicians available. And <clears throat> so I wait and the physician comes in and, you know, they they didn't know me. They didn't know that, yes, this is something that happens to me on a regular basis. And this is what we prescribed before. And hey, let's just prescribe that again. It was very stilted conversation, and whether the physician was, that was his normal practice and he didn't have a you know normal way of doing things, or he didn't have a good bedside manner or website manner or whatever, <laughs> it just kind of left me, meh. And I was like, man, I wish I could do this with my physician, with my doctor that knows mm. me, that's in my medical chart, and it didn't really... For me, as an individual, as a consumer, I didn't really get that ability until COVID, until many more organizations were mm-hmm. doing telehealth on a regular basis. And so during COVID, I've had telehealth visits myself as a patient. I've had telehealth visits with my children, with my parents, with my husband, my mother-in-law, and all with our normal doctor And those have been so much better because there's that connection. You've already got that pre-existing relationship in person. They're in your chart. They have the history in front of them. And um, I think that that goes a long way in making it a much, much better clinical interaction via telehealth.
1: Yeah, I would, my, well, my first experience with telehealth was at the beginning of COVID also with a random doctor. Tristan had gotten sick, but my own personal, I guess, first experience with telehealth was like a month ago and it Mm -hmm. got to be with my doctor. That just wasn't something that was offered to me before. And so now being able to email my doctor and also be able to have video appointments with my doctor, it's been really nice. It's crazy.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And now I'm my primary care physician, I have a portal that I can go into, and so when my test results come back, she can send me a message, and then I can send her a message, and then hopefully she's billing for that in some shape or fashion for a an e-visit, but we get things done, and it's just a lot more efficient than you know, her scheduling time on her calendar to see me to come and talk about the results of my latest blood tests, or, you know, I'm very lucky. I know I can get to my primary care doctor in about 10-15 minutes, depending on traffic. But just being able to just, oh, here, I've got, you know, during my lunchtime, I'm going to log in to my portal and see all my stuff and just send her a quick message. And, and then when she has time, she can message me back.
1: Yeah, that is something that I've also experienced this year and it has been incredible. I didn't, it's not that I didn't like know that that type of thing was possible, but it's definitely enhanced my healthcare experience.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
1: So then was your kind of first experience before you were working with the UMTRC?
0: No, I was actually working with the UMTRC at that point,
1: but it was in the early years. Well, even though you were working with the UMTRC at the time of your kind of first meh experience with telehealth, how do you feel like your opinion of telehealth has changed since then?
0: It's definitely night and day. With the increased use of telehealth, and, and I have seen specialists via telehealth as well as my primary care physician, it is just so much more efficient use of my time. I get what I need without having to, you know, get in my car and travel. You know, certainly there are times you have to go. You have to be seen in person. You know, my husband fell down the stairs recently. We thought his toe was broken. We had to go. We had to, you know, endure the emergency room and wait for the check-in and the triage before they finally came and took him back for an x-ray of his toe. And, yeah, it was broken two places. But... um <laughs> When you're having conversations about test results, or just checking in on a quarterly basis about you know a chronic condition, and um, it it makes so much sense. And I think that when you start talking about access, because that has been a, a big focus for the UMTRC, is access. You know, I live in a suburban area; it's easier for me to get to medical treatment. But if I lived in you know the middle of the country. And even there's, there's places, you know, my kids are Girl Scouts. There's places that they go and camp that it's 30 minutes, maybe 45, because they're way out in the back and beyond uh, for them to be able to see any type of a physician. And, uh, you know, God forbid you're a woman in labor and you can, <laughs> it takes you an hour to get to the hospital. I was actually that way with my first child. It was an hour to our hospital. Oh my goodness. So I'm glad that I didn't have any
1: complications. Yeah, that's wild. Well, and the, I guess pro and con that I guess you've had a slightly longer labor because I know there's also people that will just be like within the hour. Yeah. Have your baby in the car on the way.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to be one of those.
1: <laughs> so, kind of, what we're talking about they're like, there are people that do because I also, I live eight minutes away from my. Primary care physician. But yeah, that's not always true for people. You could live 30, 40, 50 minutes, an hour from your physician. How do you feel like telehealth is going to continue to kind of create that access or broaden that access to healthcare?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm going to take a step back and talk about the foundation of telehealth. And you can't have telehealth or any virtual care or communication without broadband. So that is our foundation. And one of the, when I talk about COVID, you know, obviously it's been a tragedy across the world, just around the globe of the lives that have been lost. And so many horrible things have happened. But I, I'm kind of a sunny side up kind of person, you know, glass half full. And I like to look for the silver linings. So I think telehealth has been a silver lining during the pandemic and it helped us to, uh, or enabled us to continue delivering healthcare to those that, that need it the most. But what we've found during COVID is that there was a digital divide that was a lot broader than what we anticipated or that what we thought was out there. And there has been a lot of work in that area building new broadband networks establishing additional wireless towers bringing that internet access closer to people's homes out of the the main streets of small town usa out into the fields into the farmhouses during covid there have been many schools even when they were shut down, that they allowed people to come, and even if they stayed in their car, they could have access to that Wi-Fi network or libraries. I know some libraries um, have given out hotspots, and you know, just like lending a book, they lend a hotspot so people can take that home. Um, so that is is really something that is going to continue shaping the way we live our lives. And, you know, we do so much online. We shop online. We can buy houses or cars online. You know, we can go to Amazon and have something delivered to us the next day. There's so many different um, disruptive technologies that have come up. You know, so services that will bring you food from your favorite restaurant, that will deliver your groceries. All of these things are part of our lives. We can do all of our banking online, but our healthcare with COVID has just really started catching up to the rest of the world. And I think that the policies and the billing guidelines and reimbursement is a big part of that. When you talk to individuals in the telehealth field, they'll say, yeah, with all of these changes in policy and regulations, dealing with COVID has allowed us to move forward and jump forward in policy and legislation 20 years into the future. It is a well-known fact when you start talking about technology, you think about cell phone technology or computers or laptops, every 90 days there's a new shiny object that comes out. And we all want that shiny object. We've learned to not be patient in our lives because things can be delivered to us or can be achieved so quickly. And it's difficult with our healthcare care because we expect it to be as rapid as everything else. So having lived through COVID and having seen all of the efforts th- that were there before, but are now very much enhanced towards expanding broadband, towards using virtual platforms, I think it's going to be a lot easier for individuals, regardless of where they live, to access healthcare in the right time and in the right place for them.
1: I'm excited. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to see how we grow and where we go. Mm-hmm. We have definitely filled our time (laughs) (laughs) Um, just asking so many questions. But Becky, I want to thank you so much. I have just absolutely loved working with you and have been so thankful to have you as my mentor while I have been here at IRHA and the UMTRC. And I'm just so excited to see what you do in the future. And I wish you so many good things and good successes as you go to your next part of your telehealth journey. Well, thank you. I
0: appreciate that. It's
1: it's been a joy working with you as well. Yeah. So that's that's our episode. This will be the first episode of November. Okay. And then our second episode of November will be introducing the new project director. We'll interview him and let you guys get to know him a little better. And then we'll take a short hiatus in the month of December, but we will get back to it in January.
0: I want to thank you for listening to A Virtual View. I've been your host, Becky Sanders, and I have truly enjoyed hosting this podcast series. You can find more information about today's episode in the show notes below. And if you'd like to support our podcast, please rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform. If you've got any questions or topics you'd like us to discuss in the future, you can contact us at info at umtrc.org or through the form found in the show notes below. Also, I'd like to give a special thanks to Josh Rodriguez and Francis Fitzgerald for scoring our podcast, and to our executive producer, Caroline Yoder, and our audio-video editor, Tristan Yoder. Finally, a special thanks to the Health Resources and Services Administration, also known as HRSA. Our podcast series, A Virtual View, is sponsored in part by HRSA's Telehealth Resource Center Program which is under HRSA's Office of the Administrator and the Office for Advancement of Telehealth. The content and conclusion of this podcast are those of Becky Sanders as the Program Director of the UMTRC and should not be construed as the official policy of, or position of, nor should any endorsements be inferred by HRSA, HHS, or the U.S. government. Thanks for listening and have a great day.